by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Wow. Well, the Bible tells the story about a man who brought his son who was possessed by demons he brought him to the disciples meanwhile jesus and his inner circle and i think it was peter james and john had gone to the mount of transfiguration they were away well the the man tried to get his son healed he had seen that the the apostles had power to heal they had already been on the you know the missionary journey that jesus sent them on they came back saying even the demons you know go when we tell them but they couldn't cast this demon out of the boy and Jesus and his crew walks back up, and, and everybody says, oh, it's Jesus. And they make a big commotion, and they all gather around. And Jesus said, what's going on? And, the man's, and they all said, well, the man brought his son to the disciples to cast this demon out, and they couldn't do it. And so the man's desperate. He looks at Jesus. He said, Jesus, if you can, heal my boy. Cast this demon out of my boy. And we pick up the story in Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus says, what do you mean if I can? We all know Jesus can. We believe that God is able. I mean, he created the universe. What can God not do? Jesus said, what do you mean if I can? He said, is Anything possible, any, he said, anything is possible to a person who believes. See, it's not whether God can, it's whether you can believe for it. The disconnection is on our end. God has always been able to perform his word. But the question is, is can we believe? He didn't say most things are possible. He said, all things, all things are possible. Wrap your mind around that for a minute. If it's in God's word, it's possible. If it's according to his will, it's possible to you. What kind of inner picture do you have? Do you think God wants good things for you? And the father, he hears this and he cries out, I, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. <laughs> and I think that's where most of us are. I believe, but I don't really. <laughs> the King James says, help my unbelief. Say, help my unbelief. We're somewhere in the mix. We know God can, but we can't believe it'll do it for us. But all things are possible if you can believe. What did Jesus do? He went on and healed the boy. I've told y'all the story about my baseball stuff in the past, but I'm going to tell it again. When I was in high school, uh, man, I was just a tall, lanky, from the wrong end of town, wrong, wrong side of the tracks kid, just waiting to get in trouble. Probably was going to spend my life in prison if I'd have kept going the direction I was. Just hanging out with the wrong crowd. But I liked baseball, and, I, and I, so my high school baseball coach, I'll never forget him, 
He's gone on to be with the Lord now. His name is Ron Doss. He invested in me. He saw something in this little lanky kid. I don't know why. I had no cooth or no class, but he began to teach it to me. He saw potential in my baseball, but he also saw potential in me as a person. So he began to, I, I'm, I was drawn to his leadership. And that's a hint for any of you leaders. You got to see potential in your people. You got to let them know that they can do it. So I gave my best for Coach Ron Doss. I ran those three-mile sprints, not sprints, but <laughs> those three-mile jogs that he put me on. I got in shape. I began to lift weights. I got strong. I, I uh, put on some weight. I began to pitch my best. I was a pitcher. And by my senior year, I got uh, awarded all-metro team in Memphis, which means the best player from each conference in, in the different schools in Memphis is on the all-metro team, maybe 15 conferences, I don't know. We got to go to Chick Stadium. How, how many members Chick Stadium? We got to play an inning at Chick Stadium with a Chicks game. But, but we had made all-metro. And so that was a nice accomplishment. I was believing in myself. Coach Doss, I didn't believe in myself, but Coach Doss helped me to see something. And so I was doing good things. But, you know, not a lot of college scouts go to the league that I was in to look for players. So none of them came calling. But my Mimi believed in me. My grandmother, she, she had a college down the street from her called Mississippi Delta Junior College. She went down there. She knew the coach, Coach Jimmy Bellapani. She said, can you get my boy a scholarship to play for you? He won All-Metro in Memphis. He couldn't believe that nobody else had saw, you know, that I'd won All-Metro. Nobody else had offered me a scholarship. He offered me a scholarship. My grandmama got me a scholarship. She believed in me. So I started playing for Coach Bellapani. Now, Coach Bellapani, he had a college program here. He didn't have time to invest in me like Coach Doss. But I, I had enough residual to, to try my best. I was afraid to fail. So I kept staying in shape, kept throwing. And my first game ever pitching in a college baseball game, I pitched against some northern Illinois team that it was on a tour down here, and I pitched a no-hitter. My first college game ever, we barely won three to two, believe it or not. <laughs> Didn't give up any hits, but I gave up two walks, and our team was so lousy <laughs> that we let them score them two runs. We barely won, and I pitched a no-hitter. That's how bad our team was. But the bad part about that is they labeled me as the ace from then on, you know, the ace pitcher, because I'd thrown a no-hitter. So that, that meant that they put me against all the good teams that we would never beat in our wildest imagination. So I would pitch three or four innings and do good, but then about the fourth or fifth inning, these good teams that we were playing against considered my 85-mile-an-hour fastball like batting practice, <laughs> and they would begin to knock my stuff out of the park, and all that confidence I had <laughs> left. So I began to not so much concentrate on baseball as on girls and drinking and party life, college life. And I began to make excuses why my record was one and seven or whatever. And I, and I began to have this, the ace became the king of excuses. And then I began to play the joker because the coach put me on the bench. Don't play the joker. Man, I still have nightmares to this day about sitting on the bench. I hated sitting on the bench. But it would have took a, 
a bunker busting bomb to bust me out of that dugout by the time I got through with the way I talked bad about Coach Jimmy and, and his program and all the excuses I had why I wasn't successful. And I messed up my first year of college like that. Well, in between, I said, I'm leaving this college. So I moved back to Memphis. And I started playing summer league ball. And I realized I didn't have nothing going for me. I still wanted to play baseball. So I'd, my arm had always hurt anyway. So I said, I'm going to stop being a pitcher. I'm going to start being a hitter. So I got in a cage and started working on my hitting. Got real good at hitting, played summer league. And I was knocking the ball out of the park every, every game pretty much. And the, and the coach at Shelby State saw me play one day, he offered me a scholarship to come to Shelby State. Now, I don't know if that would work today. I think there's some kind of transfer rules or something. My brother still thought that was kind of weird. But it flew under the radar, and I began to play for Shelby State the next year. There I earned the nickname Hammer. Not because I hammered the baseball, but because I stayed hammered most of the season, drinking alcohol. <laughs> I had started up a rock and roll band. I got a, you know, I was living in Memphis on my own, hadn't, you know, nobody there to support me. I had to support myself, got a job working nights at FedEx, playing in a rock and roll band, chasing a little girl around, and I began to drink. I would drink so much, the reason they called me Hammer, because sometimes I would drink the night before a, a away baseball game, and I would just drive my little Datsun B210 and sit in the parking lot by the, the school bus that we were going to take the next day and sleep in the parking lot because I was so drunk I knew I wouldn't wake up if I didn't. And they would knock on my window and say, come on, Hammer, it's time to get on the bus. I remember actually throwing up on the team bus on, a, on the way to a away game one time. The coach tried to see something in me, but there wasn't much to see. Well, when I had pretty much messed that up, was sitting on the bench at Shelby State about halfway through the year, I said, man, I got to do something. I'm ruining my life. So I began to try again. Got back in the batting cage. Stopped drinking so much. Started taking my baseball serious. Had a pretty good end of the season. <clears throat> then the coach calls me in the, his office at the end of the year, and he says, son, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> he said, but I'm friends with the coach at Union University in Tennessee. It's a four-year Christian college. And I think I can get a tryout for you with him so that you can continue your education and you can continue to play baseball. I was, like, excited for a minute. I said, yeah, yeah. He told me what date and how to get there and everything. I was supposed to go meet with this guy. Guess what? I didn't go. I did not go. I was the ace. I became the king of excuses, and then I played the joker. Today's message is don't play the joker. And the way you play the joker is not believing God, not believing in what God can do through you. Say, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Hebrews 11.1, 1. let's go ahead and turn there. Hebrews 11.1, 1. foundational scripture, says faith shows the reality of what we hope for. Faith shows the reality. It paints a picture. What you hope for in your heart, what, what you want to happen, faith paints the picture in your heart so that you can have it. 
It is the evidence of things we cannot see. You see, faith is hoping for something that's not there yet. It's believing God. It's planting seeds in the ground, believing for a harvest on your faith. You can't see it, but you must see it on the inside before you'll realize it on the outside. Does that make sense? Faith shows, builds an image of the reality that we hope for. It is the evidence of the things that we cannot see. Say, help my unbelief. Why is faith so important? Well, the Bible says you can't please God without faith. I, you know, it's not important if you don't care about pleasing God or doing anything with your life, I guess. <laughs> it's not important if, if you don't care about those things. But faith is the currency of heaven. Last week we talked about the kingdom of heaven, what that is. It's where God's, uh, it's his realm where he is his Lord and people obey him. And faith is the currency of heaven. That's how you get something in the kingdom of heaven. It's not dollar bills in heaven, it's faith. Does that make sense? It's, it's legal. Your faith is, the, the word of God makes it legal tender. Because your faith must be based on the promises of God, right? And so it makes it legal tender in heaven what you believe if you're believing for the word of God. I remember the story of Abram. God told him to leave his family and go to a place where I'll show you. He said leave his family, but he took Lot, his, his nephew, with him. Shouldn't have done that, but he did it. But God blessed them both anyhow. They had more sheep and goats and cattle than that they could feed because they were just eating up all the grass. And so uh, later they said, we got to split ways. We don't have enough grass for all our sheep. Our workers are fighting each other anyway. So, And Abram said, Lot, you choose which way you want to go and I'll go the other way. Well, Lot played the joker. He wanted to go to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah where there was ungodliness he wanted to be with the world so he went that direction and abraham went with god and in genesis 13 14 it says after lot had gone the lord said to abram now you know abram is later called abraham but this is before god changed his name he says look as far as you can see in every direction north and south east and west I am giving you all this land as far as you can see. Say as far as you can see. He said, if you can see it, you can have it. As far as you can see to you and to your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Then in verse 17, he says, go walk through the land in every direction. God is saying, I want you to build an inner picture. I want you to walk through it until you begin to get it on the inside of you. I want you to see it so you can believe it. I want you to get an inner picture for I am giving it to you. Faith pleases Jesus. It's what pull, pulls the miracles out of, out of him. You know, sometimes Jesus would do miracles out of mercy. He raised it the widow's son. He, he did things that people didn't deserve. He did, he did miracles for the ungodly. But sometimes our faith 
triggers miracles. For example, what about the woman with the issue of blood? This is a woman who had internal bleeding, or I don't know what kind of bleeding it was, but she was bleeding for 12 years. She was obviously anemic or whatever. She had gone to the doctors, and she had spent all her money trying to get the world to help her. But all they had done is taken her money, quarantined her, told her to stay over there, and that's just the way it is. The world will give up on you quick. And they had done nothing for her but make things worse. Well, she hears that Jesus is coming through town, and she knows in her heart. She's created this inner picture in her heart. If I can but touch the hem of his garment, if I can just brush across it gently, I know I will be healed. And so the Bible doesn't tell us how she gets there. Because there was a crowd pressing Jesus, right? Whether she crawled on her hands and knees, whether she ripped people apart to get there, I don't know. But the, the thing is that she got there. I don't know if she yanked his robe. I don't know if she just touched his robe. But when she did, what did she get? What she believed for. She was instantly healed. And Jesus says, who touched me? And Peter says, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you. We're in a crowd. No, Jesus said, no, I mean somebody deliberately touched me. They touched me on purpose because I felt virtue leave from me. They touched me on purpose. Where, is I, where am I at? Luke 8, 48. Jesus says, he said, who touched me? And the woman stood up and said, it was me. And all the people heard her testimony that she had just been healed. And in Luke 8, 48, he says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Say, your faith. Now, Jesus didn't even know she was touching him. Jesus didn't use his faith to heal her. It was your faith, woman. He didn't realize the virtue had left him until it had left him. He said, it's your faith. It's good that God has mercy on us and gives us a miracle every now and then. But he says, the, the works that I do shall you do also. Why aren't we standing up on the front of the boat and saying, peace be still? Where's your faith? Isn't that what he said? Where's your faith? So our faith plays a part. The woman could have had excuses. She could have said, well, I know Jesus is busy. He's, he's just passing through. The, the crowd's too large, and, you know, he's got more important things to do. He's going to go raise that dead girl. I mean, my little bleeding issue, it, it isn't that important. Have you ever felt like that? My, my, I don't need a miracle that bad. I don't need to bother Jesus. That's the way some people think, like Jesus is just one-dimensional. She could have had every excuse in the world it's embarrassing when I go out in public like this. I look so frail. People will know, and I'm not supposed to be. I'm supposed to be quarantined. I could get in trouble for being out here. I just shouldn't go. And you may be thinking the same thing today. You may be thinking, well, I can't believe God for anything right now because of this virus. I can't leave the house. I can't go without a mask. I can't really speak to t people. I can't do these things because of this virus. Let me just say this. 
you can always find a way to get to the, the hem of Jesus' robe if you want to. You can, you can wear your mask. You can, you can do what you do in the natural to keep yourself safe. But I'm telling you, the, it ain't because of this virus that, that the church is not rising up right now. The real church rises up in the storm. There was a Roman soldier came to Jesus. <clears throat> he said, Lord, my servant's at home, and he's paralyzed, and he's in great pain. Could you heal him? Jesus says, sure, let's go. He goes, no, no, Lord, you don't have to go. He said, I'm a man under authority. I know how it works, you know. People tell me what to do, I just do it. And I, I have some people under me. I tell them what to do. They do it. I understand how authority works. I mean, you don't have to come to my house to do it. You just say the word. I know he'll be healed. Just say it. And in Matthew 8, 10, it says, When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. He said, all the people I came to minister to, none of them have faith like this Gentile Roman soldier. You know why? Because this soldier was not concentrating on the method. He was concentrating on the master. He didn't have to know how Jesus was going to do it. He just knew Jesus would do it. And some of us are sitting in our situation right now thinking, well, I... We're sitting here, oh, 2020 is our year of manifestation, but I guess it ain't going to happen because of the virus. We, don't, we can't see how it would happen. We're thinking about the method, and we're limiting Jesus. Don't think about how he's going to do it. Just know, don't look at the method, look at the master. He likes to do things like that. He likes to show himself strong through our weakness. Don't limit God. Have faith in God. Don't think that you got to know everything. We reason ourselves out of our miracles all the time. We do. I love the story about the Canaanite woman. Jesus was walking through Tyre and Sidon one time, and that's a Gentile area. And one of the Gentile women's came out, women's, women came out, and she said, Jesus, please heal my daughter. She's... She's sick. She, I, I can't remember if she had demons or she was just sick. She, she said, Jesus, and she's following along. Jesus, she's worshiping. I worship you, Lord, but please, please heal my daughter. And Jesus didn't say a thing. He just kept on walking. Does that sound like Jesus? Just ignoring this woman's please? But he kept on walking. The disciples picked up on Jesus's attitude and they said well yeah let's send her away she ain't even one of us so <laughs> they were going to send her away and but she kept pleading and jesus says lady i've just come for the lost sheep of israel you know he knew his scope of what he was here to do i've just come to for the lost sheep of israel right now she said she kept on lord i worship you please please help my daughter she said, Jesus said, it wouldn't be right to take the, the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. He called her a dog, essentially. That sound like Jesus? 
I'm thinking, how's this story going in? This, is it, you sure this is inspired scripture? I don't think this should be in the Bible. This don't sound like Jesus. But the woman said, even the dogs, she said, true, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table that fall onto the floor. I imagine Jesus trying to suppress a grin like I am right now telling this story. <laughs> he said in Matthew 15, 28, Dear woman, your faith is great. I don't see anywhere else in Scripture where he tells somebody their faith is great. He's usually telling us, where is your faith? But he tells this Gentile woman, your faith is great. And your request is granted, and, your, and her daughter was instantly healed. What was Jesus doing? He was testing the woman. What if she wouldn't have been persistent? Have you ever had a situation you were believing God for something that didn't come like you thought it should? Didn't come right away? Well, I guess God's answer is no. I'm not hearing from God. He's just he's ignoring me. Wait a minute, he's insulting me. <laughs> How strong do you believe in the character of God and in the word of God? Are you willing to be patient? Are you willing to be persistent? Are you willing to keep on knocking? Are you willing to be like that woman that came before the unjust judge? He didn't want to give her justice, but because she was wearing him out, he finally said, okay, I'm just going to give you what you want. And the Bible goes on to say, how much more will your father give justice to you? But he may be just pushing you to a deeper level of faith. He may be pushing you and testing you. But this woman had great faith. Do you want to have great faith? Say great faith. I wrote down a few stumbling blocks to our faith. There's a whole lot of them, but I just wrote a few of them. A lack of patience and persistence. Number one, what we just talked about. We don't have patience or pers persistence. Mark 4, verse 26 through 28. Let's go ahead and turn there. Mark 4. Mark 4, 26. Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. That's what farmers do. They have seed and they scatter it on the ground. Night and day while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he don't understand how it happens. He don't need to understand how it happens. He just knows that God said there'll be seed time and harvest, and there'll be seed time and harvest. He knows if he scatters the seed, it's going to grow up. He's not sitting there in the middle of the night wondering, I don't know if that seed I plan is going to grow tomorrow. He might go out there and check it all the time. No, he knows it's going to take a time some time before the seed comes up and that's the way with your faith sometimes but many of us when we don't see it right away what we prayed for we begin to dig up our seed with our words the good words that we planted in the ground we spoke the word over of god over our situation well but god's not going to do that he said it's going to be the year of manifestation in 2020 but that's not going to happen now i can see that you see i'm trying to get you to stir your faith you see, I'm, I'm trying to get you to not forget what you have believed God for. 
Not Don't dig up your seed. Keep it in the ground. It will produce. God's word will always produce what he sent it to do. It goes on to say, the earth produces the crops on its own. First, the leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and then finally, the grain ripens. So be persistent and be patient. Another thing that's a stumbling block to our faith is a lack of love. And that is what God is working on right, I mean, the devil is working on right now. God said in the end times, the love of many will grow cold. And it's easy to do. You turn on the news, you got sides pitted against each other everywhere you turn. You, you go to social media, everybody's posting videos to make you mad at one group or another. Right? It's the devil. We're being played, and we're watching that, and it's angering us, and it and it says it'll even fool the elect. And some of the people in the church, many of us, are having a hard time right now to keep the hate out of our heart. We're, we're not loving. We're losing. We're waxing cold our love. And faith worketh by love. And that's what the devil is after. If he can steal your love, if he can steal your joy, he's got you where he wants you. Not to mention a nation divided against itself cannot stand. He's created the perfect storm. But I, like I yelled into the camera a couple of weeks ago, I'm sorry I yelled, wake up. Wake up. We're being played. Do you know many of the videos that you're seeing on social media about this group of people doing this against the other group of people or this group of people doing this against the other people, they're being posted by fake accounts from Russia and China to stoke violence in our nation, to cause us to divide, and we're falling for it. Let's not fall apart. Let's come together. That's God's plan. Faith works by love. If your faith is not working, check your love walk. And I'm, I'm preaching to myself. Okay, so lack of patience and persistence, a lack of love, another thing is just all-out fear. Fear is the enemy of faith. It's the direct enemy of faith, and the church is in fear right now. Don't we know in whom we have believed? Haven't we read the end of the book? Don't we know we win? Why are we in such fear? The world is in fear. We should not be in fear. God didn't say go into all the world and preach the gospel if there are no risk. He just said go. And this might be the end time harvest. This might be our last. I believe the window, the time of the Gentiles is closing. The time to get people saved is closing. I believe the return of the Lord Jesus is near. And we've got, we don't want to go out with a whimper. We want to go out with a, a celebration that we harvested. We didn't lose the one that God gave us. There are people out there that God has assigned for us to win to Christ. And we've got to get back on our mark. Number four is distraction. That's what we are. It's distracted by all the things on the news. Don't get derailed by distraction. Get back to our calling. But some people say, but 
well, you know, once this is over, this virus, they get a, a cure or all this. Once we go back to normal, then I'll, I'll get back involved in the church. Now, I'm not saying anything about whether you're here or whether you're on live stream. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the church in your heart, the, 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 the fellowship, the, the call of this church. If you're hooked up with us or wherever you are, whatever church you're hooked up with, the church of Jesus Christ. You say, well, I'm going to get back to doing uh, God's business when the, all this is over. I'm just hunkering down right now. When things go back to normal, let me tell you something. Things may not go back to the normal that we once knew. They may get worse than they are right now. In fact, I can promise you, eventually they will. If we can't serve the Lord now, you won't serve the Lord then. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather will never plant. Weren't we talking about farmers sowing seed, putting their faith out there for things? Farmers who wait for perfect weather will never plant. If they watch every cloud, they will never harvest. You're not going to get anything unless you're planting the Word of God in your life and in someone else's life. And now is the time. Look around. The fields are white to harvest right now. This ain't break time. I keep telling people, church before reminds me we were like in boot camp. This is what we were getting ready for. We're not waiting for this to get over so that we can get back. We're in it. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. This is it, baby. This is live ammunition flying over our head right now. This ain't, we ain't in training camp anymore. We're at combat. Woo! All right, number five, stumbling block, improper focus. Let me read you what I wrote on this one. Your life is a result of your ability to see past yourself. Into the, into the possibilities of God through you. Let me, let me repeat that. I didn't say it good. Your life is a result of your ability to see past yourself into the possibilities of God through you. We're focusing on what we can or can't do. We're basing everything on what we're able to do. And we leave God out of the equation. With God, all things are possible. Don't limit God by what you think your abilities are. In fact, what did John the Baptist say? He must increase, I must decrease. I got to stop thinking about what I can do and start thinking about what he can do. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that dwelleth in me. I have the master of the universe, the power of God, the power to raise Christ from the dead, now dwelling in my mortal bodies. All things are possible if I can believe, if I can keep my seed in the ground and keep my focus on Jesus. There's nothing impossible. Some of you have given up on your dreams a long time ago. You dug up your seed so many times. Well, I'm telling you, now's the time to continue to plant. 
the Word of God into your life and create a new, a new inner image of who you are in Christ. I'm not saying it's create a new inner, inner image of who you are. That ain't going to do you a lick of good. You know, that, that coach got me that interview at that Christian university, four-year interview anniversary, university. And I just didn't go to it. Because I had, I didn't see myself at a Christian university. I just, I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think I was worthy. I still had this image of this lanky, broke down from nowhere on the wrong end of the tracks kid. I can't go to some highfalutin four-year school. And I didn't even show up for the interview. Imagine what, what could have been the possibilities. I didn't get saved till I was 32. But I was like 20 at this time. If I'd have went to this Christian university, hopefully I would have got saved a lot sooner and been about God's business a lot quicker. See, you only rise to the level of how you see yourself in your heart. You, you know, right now, I have become a pastor of the church I got saved in. I have been able, since I got saved, serving the Lord God, beginning to be like a, a super Ron Doss in my life, believing in me, others, leaders in the church believing in me, begin to change my inner picture of what God can do through me to the point where I... I've stepped into my calling through no fault of my own. <laughs> I, I, I just believed God. I was faithful and kept my seed in the ground in certain instances, enough to become pastor of this beautiful little work that God is doing. But God is challenging me, and he's challenging you. Okay, that's fine. We've got a beautiful church. But I have a vision for you to plant beautiful churches all over the world. Now can I get an inner picture of leading a world organization? Or being a part of one? Just being a part of a work, a worldwide... Can y'all help me with this? Because this is too big for me to believe by myself. I mean, there's every reason, there's every excuse to say, no, the crowds are too big, the world's too, it's, gone, it's too far, we don't have time, we don't have resources, we're stuck back here across from Hooters, this, this, this. We, we can think of all the reasons not, but God likes to take those foolish things to confound the world. He he's made strong in our weakness. We have to build this inner picture in us. That first church plant starts, it, it doesn't start the, the process. It, the process starts in us. The seeds that are, built, are planted in our hearts. And we have to do that by faith. We have to leave our seed in the ground and we have to water that seed. We have to talk good over that seed. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in your heart should be coming out. We've got to declare good things in our lives. 
for you as individuals and for us as a church. We can't forget faith in the equation. Just as what, you know, what, what I see before me, we're not capable of that. But with God, all things are possible. The question is, do you believe? Lord, help my unbelief. Say, Lord, help my unbelief. The good news is that God loves to give sight to the blind. I'll close with this. Matthew 9, 28. Some blind guys came into the house. <laughs> it said they went right into the house where he was staying. And Jesus asked them, Do you believe that I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, Because of your faith, it will happen. Anything that we do good, anything that we accomplish as a church is going to be because of our faith in Him. Trust in Him alone. Can you see it? We've got to build an image of God in us that His Word is true and all things are possible to Him that believe. Because of your faith, it will happen. It will happen. Will you believe with me? Now I want to ask you about your personal life. We have a goal. We have a vision as a church. But what about your personal life? You have personal dreams and hopes and things that maybe God spoke to you in the past that you've let go of because it didn't happen right away. You felt God was ignoring you. He hadn't forgotten. You just stopped knocking. Keep on knocking. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. And the door will be open to you. Put the seed back in the ground. Remember the promises that God has made you. Maybe you don't even understand this faith talk. Maybe this is foreign to you. But this word of God, this, this Bible is chock full of promises to God's children. Covenant promises that, you, that Jesus spilt his blood so that would be made yours. You say, well, I've got this issue. I've got that issue. I don't have the finances. I don't have the training. I don't, have, I don't know how to do this. This relationship is falling apart. My kids, I, they, they, they ain't even saved. I don't. Pick up the word of God. Google it if you have to. And see what the Bible says about your situation and begin to speak that over your life. Go to the Lord and say, God, your word says this over my children, and I'm, I'm pronouncing it out loud. I'm putting this seed in the ground, and I'm going to hold on to it. And the devil is not going to make me dig up my seed anymore. And then you hold on. Seed, time, and you will get to harvest. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.